Well, so uh, this is the uh, last Sunday that uh, we're going to gather uh, as a church in 2022. So uh, next Sunday is Christmas Day. We're not having church on Christmas Day. And, you know, somebody said, well, well why aren't we having church on Christmas Day? I'm like, well, would you come? They said, well, no. And we'll say, well, okay, I think you answered that question for us. We're all going to be here Christmas Eve, okay? We got one o'clock, three o'clock, five o'clock. They're all an hour long. They're all identical. Uh, And so we're going to take Christmas Day off, okay, for everybody to enjoy their families. But then we're also going to take January 1st off. And, you know, somebody said, well, why are you taking two Sundays off? I'm like, well, would, would, would you be there on January 1st? Well, no, I wouldn't, but... Okay, I mean, we're not, we're, you know, we're not completely out of touch, but also we take that first Sunday after Christmas off to give everybody a break, particularly our, our volunteers, um, and uh, just so everybody can rest and as we kick off another year-long series uh, in January, on January 8th, we're going to walk through the Bible in a year, and so uh, we're really excited about that. Um, but uh, so we want to in, invite you to come on January 8th, not December 25th, not January 1st, okay? If, you, if two or more of you are gathered in the parking lot, it'll count as church, okay? Um, you know, Facebook Live it, and so, you know, we'll, we can all join or not join. Um, but anyway, um, so today, as, uh, as Tanner uh, mentioned, we are uh, coming around the Advent word of peace. And so you guys are doing an incredible job uh, celebrating Advent at home and, uh, and, and taking a selfie and putting it on social media so we can all uh, gather and do that together. Uh, I, I think I made the prediction. Uh, maybe it was a pro- prophecy. Uh, we started out the gate strong. We, you know, we were all excited about lighting the first candle of hope. Uh, the kids reluctantly uh, gathered with Sarah and I on the second candle of love. Uh, there was no joy last week. We didn't even do it, okay? So we skipped, um, and, but our, our goal tonight is to light all four and pretend that we're four for four. So uh, if you've missed one, you missed two, you missed three, you missed them all, and jump in tonight and, uh, with the Advent at home and, uh, and just pause for a moment because that's what we're doing. We're trying to pause long enough to process and to get in our minds and our hearts that his presence in our lives is greater than any presence we can give or receive. And that's what Advent at Home is all about. If you don't have an Advent kit, it's not too late to grab one. See Thomas or myself or Tanner, we'd, be love, we'd love to help you get one of those to take home with you today. So Christmas, um, Christmas brings um, this uh, prospect of immeasurable and unimaginable peace, okay? And this immeasurable and unimaginable peace comes through the birth of Jesus Christ. Um, We've all heard the phrase, peace on earth, on whom his favor rests. And, you know, that's such a beautiful phrase to sing, especially by candlelight, which we'll do on Christmas Eve. Uh, It looks lovely on a Christmas card, but unfortunately, It's only part of the Christmas message, that the full message of Christmas, in fact, the full message of Christianity is that this immeasurable and unimaginable peace only comes through pain and conflict. That, That without pain and conflict, we don't get the full Christmas story, which means we don't get the this, the peace that our souls long for and desperately need. 
And so in today's story uh, passage, it takes, day, it takes place eight days after the birth of Jesus. And the Bible tells us that Mary and Joseph took the baby Jesus to the temple uh, to, to keep in line with all the Old Testament purification laws. And because Jesus was born under the Jewish law, the Jewish law required all uh, newborn babies to be circumcised on the eighth day. And so they take Jesus to the temple to go through this ceremony. And here in Luke chapter 2, we're introduced to uh, this man of faith named Simeon. And Simeon had been promised by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. Now, the Messiah was the one that God had promised hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years prior to this, that he would send to the people of Israel uh, to, to redeem or rescue the people of Israel. And a lot of the people of Israel, many people thought that the Messiah was going to be uh, this uh, military figure, maybe this military general who, who would rise up in power and, and lead Israel to kick out the Romans and make Israel a superpower again. A lot of, uh, the, a lot, some Israelites thought that maybe the Messiah would be this political figure and, and you know, uh, unify the people of Israel and they would kick out the Romans. Maybe a religious figure, but not, but not necessarily. But nobody thought that the Messiah would be divine. And so here, Simeon has been given this promise that he would not die until he sees, sees the Messiah, which meant that, that Simeon spent his whole life waiting and waiting and waiting. Some of us are going to find it difficult to wait these next seven days with great anticipation. And that's what Advent's all about, is to stir our hearts into not only celebrating the arrival of Jesus the first time, but recalibrating our hearts to anticipate his, his, his arrival the second time. But, but every day was the same as like Groundhog Day for Simeon. I mean, Simeon, Simeon would wake up in the morning and say, well, maybe today is the day, and then go to bed at night. I guess today wasn't the day. Wake up the next day. Maybe today is the day. Go to bed that night. Today wasn't the day. The next morning, maybe today is the day. And this went on and on and on and on. Till this one day that we get to read about this morning, that Simeon gets to hold the baby Jesus. He gets to see the promise of, of God fulfilled and he experiences this immeasurable and unimaginable peace that has the power to change our lives, but it can only be brought into our lives through pain and conflict. So three observations this morning about the, about the passage. Let me give them to you up front and then we'll unwrap them as we go along. Okay, pun intended. Um, so here we go. The three observations. It says, uh, the peace, of, the, the peace of Simeon, the pain of conflict, and the sword of salvation. So the peace of Simeon, the pain of conflict, and the sword of salvation. So if you have your Bibles, I wanna invite you to turn to Luke chapter two. And if you didn't bring your Bibles, we're gonna put it up on the screen for you or you can pull it up on your phone. But Luke chapter two, we get, we're still in this Christmas story, but we're eight days after the birth of Jesus. So the, the, um, the, the shepherds have have, uh, have come and gone back to their fields and they're about Jesus. The, the wise men haven't come yet. So I don't know why the wise men get put in the manger scene, but Simeon doesn't. So, so maybe grab one of your kids' action figures and this is now Simeon and insert him into the manger scene because 
He was there before the three wise men. So let's talk about this peace that Simeon has. Let's start in verse 25. So it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So Simeon, he prays this prayer of peace and hope and love and joy. You know, prayer has, um, has always been uh, a part of our, you know, a people's daily routine. Especially prayer at, at night has always been popular. That there's just something um, about the darkness that makes the shadows a little bit more intense, right? That there's just something about the um, the, the dark that makes, uh, the, about the darkness that makes our fear just a little bit more real. And that's why, that's why kids sleep with the light on or, or, uh, or you know, we sleep with the, a nightlight on, right guys? I mean, you know, just things go bump a little louder in the dark. And as a result, prayer has always played an important role in nighttime routines. And it really doesn't matter how old we are that the darkness just has a way of exposing our feeling of vulnerability, right? You ever felt that way? That, that the darkness just has a way of exposing our fear of vulnerability, that the darkness has a way of amplifying our stress and our fear and anxiety and worry. And, and, and this was evident in our house last week. Um, so in the middle of the night, I'm so glad Sarah went out so I can tell this story freely. Um, it's in the middle of the night and uh, Sarah was woken up. I was kind of woken up um, because one of us left the notifications on in our phone. And I'll tell you, it wasn't me. And um, so she says, did you hear that? And I said, yes, uh, I, I, think, I, I think I heard that. And, and it was a notification on one of our phones, not naming which one it was. And, and so it was notifying us that our driveway camera had picked up uh, motion uh, in our driveway. And so uh, so I looked at, you know, I looked at the camera on my phone and I saw two, two people walking on the street, but then the phone, then the, uh, then the camera just goes, you know, like disconnected. And so this worries uh, Sarah. And uh, so, so, you know, I know no, nobody's going back to sleep until I go check it out. And, and so I go check it out, you know, and uh, so I go out and, and there's nobody there just walking a dog or something. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, everything was normal. I get back upstairs, and, and, and my superpower is I can go to sleep like that, okay? And so I get back in bed, and uh, I'm, I'm almost asleep. In fact, I probably am asleep. And Sarah says, I'm scared. And so I reach my hand, my, my loving hand over, and I put my gentle touch on her shoulder, and I, and I just pray a prayer for her, and then I'm asleep. So the next morning, you know, I'm leaving for work and uh, she says, oh, by the way, that prayer last night was the worst prayer I've ever heard <laughs> in my entire life. And I said, oh, by the way, I was off the clock last night, okay? 
So, but, but there's just something about the darkness that just enhances our, uh, our, our fear and our feeling of vulnerability. And, and, and Simeon, he's praying this prayer of, of joy and hope and love that it brings peace. And what he's saying in this prayer is that my life is now complete. That, that Simeon can pray this prayer because he has seen not only who God is, but what God has done and what he's going to do through Jesus. And we can especially pray this prayer on this side of the resurrection. That Simeon says, my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord and, how I, and I, my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord and I have all I need in Christ. That I have everything I need now and forever. In other words, what Simeon is saying and what you and I can say on this side of the resurrection especially is that everything in my life may be taken away. That everything in my life may be taken away. Things may not go according to plan. My, my career, my, my relationships, my finances may not be as I want them to be. The doctor's report may not be what I want it to be, but I have an immeasurable and unimaginable peace in me because I have Jesus and Jesus has me. That I can have this immeasurable and unimaginable peace because I have grabbed hold of Jesus and Jesus has grabbed hold of me. And Simeon shows us the peace that we can have when we focus our eyes on Jesus. That through faith, in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. By putting our trust in him, not only do uh, we become the adopted sons and daughters of God, and not only do we have forgiveness of our sin debt, but we have all the acceptance and all the approval and all the significance and security and hope and, and love and peace that we need for this life and the life to come. So that's Simeon's peace that he has by focusing on Jesus. And that's the peace that we can have by focusing on Jesus. So let's talk about this pain of conflict. Look at verse 33 through 35. It says, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now, can you imagine saying that to the parents of a newborn baby? I mean, just think about it. You're saying this to the parents of a newborn baby. It's like, oh my, would you look at him? He is so cute, aren't you? Yes, you are. You're so cute. Yes, you all oh, that smile. Look how... Look at you smile, look at you smile. Yes, you're gonna reveal the sinful hearts of men and women. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You're gonna cause a lot of people problems. Yes, you are. Yes, and could you imagine saying that? But that's basically what Simeon is saying right here. He gives this prophecy over the life of Jesus of this internal and eternal conflict that he will cause in the hearts of people. And we see this all throughout the Gospels. And, and when, we, you know, when we think about Jesus, you know, a lot of times we want to think about Jesus being, being kind and, and gentle and, and meek and, and, and warm and, and cuddly. But actually, the Jesus of the Bible was quite a polarizing figure. 
that Jesus makes these absolute claims about himself being God and he offers up zero neutrality. That, that people either, either accepted him or they completely rejected him. But he came and he said, I am God. And he said, this is why I was sent to earth. This is why I have come to save the souls of men. And, and there was no middle ground. There was no riding the fence. There was none of this, you know, socially and culturally, you know, we're just gonna believe in him and, you know, social Christianity. I mean, it was either you were in or you were out. That Jesus came and he lived the life that we can't live and he died the death that we deserve. And in so doing, he exposed the evil and wickedness in our hearts. Because of sin, we are guilty and condemned. Sin that we have willingly participated in. We stand without Jesus. We stand condemned and guilty. But by the grace and the mercy in the love of God, he sent his son into the world who lived perfectly. And because he did, death had no claim to Jesus. And so Jesus, he willingly laid down his life for us as a ransom to pay our sin debt in full. And in order for us to have forgiveness of sin, in order for us to have our debt forgiven, in order for us to have a righteousness that we cannot achieve on our own, we have to admit that we're sinners. That we have to admit that we can't be good enough even on our best day. And that's the pain and the conflict of Christmas. That we have to admit that we are utter failures. That we cannot help or save ourselves no matter how good we are for goodness sakes. And Jesus came to save the souls of men. And so we have to admit, we have to confess, we have to place our trust, our our confidence in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so my question is, have you done that? Have you come to the point that you've given up trying to be good enough, trying to achieve, trying to earn, and just admitted, God, I'm a failure. And I, I, I believe that Jesus is the son of God and you sent him to pay, to, to, to pay the sin debt, not only my sin debt, but the sin debt of the world. And I put my faith in him and him alone. Have you done that? Because that's the pain and the conflict of Christmas. And then we have the sword of salvation. In verse 34, Simeon says, the Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, the mother, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. See, our, our soul is the center of who we are, right? I mean, it, it's, the, it's our affections, it's our allegiance, it's our identity, it's, it's our reason. That, and these are the things that Jesus came to address. And it is good and it is necessary that through the word that Jesus confront us on the lies that we believe. Because if we just keep Jesus as a consultant, 
Meaning, hey, I'll, I'll check in with you, you know, how, to see how I'm doing every now and then. Or if we just, you know, keep it at arm's length as an advisor and, you know, we'll just get his advice, you know, only every now and then and only when he agrees with us. Or if, or if we, you know, our concept of Jesus is that Jesus never disagrees with us. In other words, we're always right. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. You see, Jesus of the Bible, he demands our full allegiance and he deserves to sit on the throne of our own hearts because he is king of all kings and he is Lord of all lords. And Simeon has spent his whole life waiting for the Messiah and now he sees the Messiah and the promise fulfilled and Jesus is, he has centered his whole life around Jesus. And this is why he's able to say when he has the baby in his arms, I can rest in peace because no one can take this peace, this immeasurable and unimaginable peace away from me. See, as the band comes, you may be thinking, well, okay, that, that, that's a great little part of the Christmas story that may, I may or may not have heard very often, but but how does this help me have peace right now? How, how does this help me have peace right now? Because right now, this whole Christmas season has been anything but peaceful. Because of these circumstances, because of, because of what life is or what, what life is not, I don't have peace. That's a good question. See, notice that Simeon is, is speaking directly to Mary and Joseph. And that Mary had to endure all of the normal hardships that came with raising a son. She had to deal with Jesus and his brothers throwing the football inside. She had to deal with, you know, burping at the table. She had to deal with Jesus not putting down the toilet seat. And in my house, we're just like, hey, just be happy it was raised in the first place. But, but Mary, Simeon says to her, and he's talking about the pain that Mary was going to have to experience by, by standing by her son and helplessly watching Jesus endure the humiliating pain of the cross. Fast forward to... 30-something years later, and Mary witnessed her son suffer for her sins and the sins of the world. And like you and I, when we are faced with the painful moments of life, I'm sure as Mary stood there and watched her son go through that pain, that she wondered like us, how in the world can anything good come out of this tragedy? How in the world can anything possibly remotely good come out of this tragedy? Jesus' body was laid in a tomb. And three days later, he rose from the dead. Having conquered sin, and death, having paid our debt in full, earning salvation 
for us. And that's where this immeasurable and unimaginable peace comes from. It's only the God of the Bible can take our biggest pains, our biggest failures, our biggest disappointments, and somehow, some way, use them for our good and others' good in His glory. Only a God who sees forever in the past and forever in the future can take our, 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 our pain and our failure and our disappointments and use it for our good and for His glory. So if that's you this Christmas season, Look at the cross and know that through the death and the resurrection of Jesus that we can have an immeasurable and unimaginable peace that no circumstance, no situation, and no tragedy could ever take away. And that's the peace of Christmas.